welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Show of hands, how many have seen Shark Tank? A bunch of us have. Okay, I love Shark Tank. If you ever watch Shark Tank, what that is is a show where uh, four or five business moguls sit around and these different entrepreneurs come in and they share a product or an idea with these investment, um, uh, these business moguls and they hope to get some investment from them. Now, it's interesting to watch these people who have the ability to, to give away two, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000, sometimes a million dollars. They have this money in the present, but they have to make some decisions on whether or not to give it away and invest it in the future. They're looking for the right opportunity to make that money serve them as best as they can. So what ends up happening is you see these wheels turning in the heads of these individuals, helping them get their mindset on whether or not the money better serves them now or in the present. And oftentimes, oftentimes, they will invest that, sacrifice now to have something greater in the future. And what we're going to be talking about today is is biblical investment. What the Bible teaches us is about investing, about sacrificing now in the present, putting our focus and our heart on something greater in the future. If you haven't joined us or if you have been joining us, we've been in a series called the Dreaded Money Series. Two weeks ago, uh, somebody walked up to me and said, you know, it would have been a whole lot better of a name to call this series the Generosity Series. They're, they're right. It would have been better to call it that. But at the time, the best I could come up with was the Dreaded Money Series. So this series is really hoping to to teach us to have a biblical view of money versus what we normally have, the worldview. Because see, what the worldview of money tells us is that we have great quantity of money, great volume of money, that will create in us happiness. The biblical view says actually what creates in us happiness is being generous with our money. The worldview says if you hoard money, that is the goal, to, to accumulate as much wealth as you can. Biblically, the Bible tells us to apply money to God's kingdom. And it gives us several warnings about the dangers of money. That money promises to be good to us, but if we let it run our life, it will steal from us. In Matthew chapter 6, this is in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're not, if you're not uh, familiar with this, in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, they take, or Jesus stands up on a hill and he begins to teach. Now anytime you read the Sermon on the Mount, there's one theme that seems to stand out. That theme is that Jesus will take the norm of the world and then he will reverse it and re- apply a biblical truth to it. A lot of times what Jesus will say to somebody is, you have heard it said in the and he'll say what most people think, and then he'll follow that up with but, and then he gives us a spiritual truth in the place of what the world would call truth. And it's no surprise in this sermon that Jesus deals with money, and he deals with the concept of money multiple times. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus spent more time talking about how followers of Christ handle their money than he talked about how we handle our alcohol. Jesus spent more time talking about how followers of Christ handled their money than he did about murder or sex or theft or drugs or any of those things. And all of those are important topics. I don't want to take away from the importance of any of those. Yet, Jesus spent a whole lot of time focusing on this one subject. So your first take-home truth this morning is Jesus addresses the money topic a lot. See, money is a major theme in this scripture. Now, what does that tell us? 
What does it tell us when Jesus focuses on a topic a lot? It tells me two things. It tells me, number one, that we as humans are going to be prone to temptation for that. Number two, it tells us that that provides a danger for us. We're prone to temptation, and it is a danger. My daughter is three years old, and at our house, we spend a lot of time on the topics of don't touch the hot things. Don't touch the hot things. We spend a lot of time on the topic of don't run into the road. And the reason for that is at her age, those are prone temptations to her, something that she may possibly do, reach up there and grab something on the stove or chase a ball into the road, and there is a severe danger to that. At three years old, I have yet to sit down with her and have the discussion about drinking and driving. Why is that? Because it's not a temptation for her at this time. Now, Jesus knows us like we know our children. And so when he looks at us and he looks at our hearts, he says, okay, there is something here that you're going to be prone to be tempted to and that will be a danger to you. And he will address it many, many different times. So uh, Jesus gives us this concept, reject the worldly wisdom, the temptation of money, reject that and use your money in a biblical sense. Read with me. This is Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. Jesus speaking here. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus begins this, this concept. He gives us kind of the, the earthly norm. The earthly norm is gather as much treasure for yourself in this life as you can. And he immediately rejects that and says, instead, try it a different way. Try investing. Try storing up for yourself treasure in heaven. Now, to get into this and understand what he's talking about, we, we have to define treasure. Because when I think of treasure, I think immediately pirate, right? Treasure chest buried on a sandy beach. We're going to go get it. Make sure you bring your sword. It's got like gold coins in it and pearl necklaces and crowns and gold bars in there. That's what we think of when we think of treasure. Or maybe we think of a cave like in the story of Aladdin. The Greek word for here for treasure actually means a storehouse, a treasury, or a vault. So what Jesus is teaching is be careful of how you collect wealth or things of value. Now, that, that could go with money pretty easily. That, that makes sense to us. It could go with gold, just collecting shiny metal. In fact, that reminds me of one of my, my favorite cartoon characters picture coming up. You guys know Scrooge McDuck? Uh, Scrooge McDuck was off of a cartoon show called DuckTales, and he had this vault full of money, and, and he would dive off of the platform, and he would swim in his money. I don't suggest that. I don't think that actually works. I think it was a cartoon. But when we think of, think of treasure of great value, that's what we think of. Uh, a famous talk show host, Jay Leno, is known to have a huge collection of cars and I've watched a show where he shows us these cars and he'll have like a 1920 steam car that runs on steam and then he'll have like a 1988 Oldsmobile and I don't even know why he just he just collects cars a lot and the Bible says be careful of putting your heart into chasing earthly treasure not just money not just bank accounts but any collection of of value in this world now, if you're wondering what earthly treasure is, Jesus defines it for you. Jesus defines earthly treasure as things that rot, or I'm sorry, as things that rust, that moths can eat, or that can be stolen. Anything of that that we collect, we spend time pouring our heart into, Jesus defines it that way. To give it a simple word, Jesus defines earthly treasure as things that are temporary. 
Somewhere not very far from here right now, there is a junkyard full of vehicles that people once invested their entire life to have. Cars that they thought would make them happy. Cars that got them from one place to another that had, as we say in Arkansas, all the bells and whistles. And yet now, 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, they're just little piles of metal in a junkyard. Jesus says, don't don't be silly with your life, investing your life in gathering these things that are only temporary. Instead, gather them in the kingdom of heaven. So your second take-home truth is earthly treasure is temporary wealth. Earthly treasure is temporary wealth. And he immediately shifts, using the same language, he shifts the concept into what I would call a smarter investment technique. You can collect things that are temporary, or you can collect treasure in heaven. And Jesus also goes forward and he defines what treasure in heaven is. He says, these are the things that will never rust, that moths will never eat, and cannot be stolen from you. So your next take-home truth with this is earthly, or heavenly treasure is eternal. And now immediately when we start hearing treasure in heaven, we go to that earthly physical treasure thing. Start thinking about heaven. It's like when I get there, Jesus is going to be like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here's a chest full of gold. I don't think that's what it means. We start thinking, well, well my mansion's probably going to be a little bit bigger. I've heard people jokingly said that. You're going to have a, a huge mansion when you get to heaven. You're going to have something physical as a heavenly treasure. And I'm, I'm fairly certain that's not what the scripture is saying either. Uh, by the way, a side point, that word mansion in the Bible is somewhat mistranslated. The word is actually a dwelling place. It's more akin to something like a hotel room. Because the purpose of being in heaven is not the physical things that you get there, get when dwelling there. The purpose of being in heaven is dwelling in the presence of God. That's the treasure. That's the reward. And so we, we, we can continue to think about what possibly God could mean. The, the Bible does talk about crowns when we're in heaven. The Bible does talk about rewards. So what is treasure in heaven? Write this on your heart. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> we, we don't really know what it is. But later what he says, he defines treasure in heaven. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Here's how Jesus defines treasure. Jesus defines treasure is what your heart is captivated by. What, what he's saying here, the point of this is not give up money here to get money in the kingdom of heaven. The point here is give up things here so that you can fully invest your heart into heaven. So that you treasure what is in heaven. You know, treasure changes based upon what your heart wants or what your heart desires. I'm a millennial. I grew up in the, in the early 2000s, and many of you remember this. How many of you guys remember Thai Beanie Babies? These, these little stuffed animals that we just thought we had to have, and you had to have the tag protectors because the tags made them valuable. And for a while, people collected these things, and you would have hundreds of these things worth money. I had a Beanie Baby book that had every Beanie Baby in it, and it told you the value of them based on what tag they had and I, I had one little bear and this was like in early 2000 like this one's worth $80 I still have it it's worth $3 I saw it at the flea market yesterday but but we did that I actually saw a picture one time from the early 2000s of a couple getting a divorce and they're getting a divorce and they're in the courtroom in front of the judge dividing up their beanie baby collection today we would say that's silly but at the time at the time, we called that treasure because that's where our hearts were. That's what we, we thought we wanted. That's what we thought we needed. 
So the directive here is not get rich in heaven. The directive is set your heart on more important things than what this earth has to give you. There's a warning here is that earthly treasure will capture your heart. And listen, what God wants from you is God wants your heart. You are the most prized possession in God's creation. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He, he has given us in every way his heart. And what he wants from us is he wants our heart back. I said in a, um, a discussion with a friend of mine without giving up too many um, details one time. And he told me about his marriage. And he said, Brown, I'm wore out. I said, I love this woman. I'm serving her with everything I can. And I'm getting nothing back. I love her and she won't even say to me that she loves me back. And his heart was broken. And I sat there as I watched a grown man cry. Why? Because it hurts when you give your whole heart to somebody and they don't return it back. And what God has done for each one of us is he has poured his whole heart into us to the point where he looks at his son and says, I'd rather have them than you. You can go suffer on a cross because I love them more. And what God desires from us is not that we spend our money in a certain way. God doesn't desire from us that we show up to church and dress a certain way. What God desires from us is our whole heart given to him. That's your take-home truth number four. Is God's ultimate goal is to capture your heart. So the base of all of our teaching on money in this series is not give your money away. The base of this teaching is not our offering plates are empty and we need more money. The base of this teaching is give your heart to God. And with regards to money of wealth, money and wealth, one of two things will happen. Number one is how you handle your money and your wealth will be reflected by your heart belonging to God. Or money and wealth will be a hindrance in you giving your heart to God it's one or the other and so when we teach about this please understand what God wants is not your your money he could care less he invented what we make money out of it's useless to him God wants your heart and the truth is we have to make a choice we can choose the temporary earthly treasure or we can choose to sit our heart in heaven and build our treasure there and Jesus put these two things in competition with each other He puts in competition in the way that he speaks. He puts in competition earthly temporary treasure and heavenly permanent treasure. If you look at how he says this, he he says, Do not gather for yourself earthly treasure that rots, but gather for yourself treasure in heaven. But is a contradictory word. It it means the opposite of what just happened. Like, Like this weekend, I wanted to go to McDonald's, but we ended up at Wendy's. Uh, um, uh, let me find my notes here I wanted to relax this week uh, but we had VBS and that didn't help by the way I see some of you guys looking like zombies this morning thank you for all you did to pour into our kids I know it was a lot I I once was condemned because of my sin but Christ died for me I once wanted to cheer for the LSU tires but I have common sense like these two things are contradictory to each other that's what this is this was uh, sorry this is what this is saying like these two things don't work together they're contradictions you must pick one take home truth number five you must choose between earthly treasure or giving God your heart now does this mean I have to give all of my stuff away and live under a bridge and live in poverty that's not necessarily spelled out What it does mean is when you get your paycheck, when you receive wealth of some type, you've got a choice. 
You can invest that paycheck into a bigger house, a larger savings account, a nicer car, trendy clothes. Or you can invest that paycheck into God's kingdom. You can invest it into what he calls you to, into something more permanent by being generous and loving the poor and lifting up the broken. One or the other will be your priority, which means the other will suffer. If your whole goal is to have more material things, your ability to pour into God's kingdom will suffer. But listen to me carefully also. If your goal is to pour into the kingdom of heaven, your earthly possessions will suffer. I know a man right now who was president of a large bank here in Arkansas, not in Batesville, but here in Arkansas. I went and looked up the salary for that position, over $1 million per year to run this organization. A very, very lucrative job. The kind of job where like, that's the one you keep. You worked your whole life to get to that point. You stay there. Three years ago, he left that job to take a ministry position in a church, not even the lead pastor, but to be an underling in a church, to work in the church. You know why? Because he rejected the temporary treasure to pour his heart into the permanent treasure. The reason we do that is because we found something better. We found something worth more. Jim Elliott was a, a Christian missionary who went to uh, the Wadani tribe in, um, in South America. He was later killed by the very people he was trying to reach with the gospel. He said this before he died. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells a story. He uses a parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a man who's walking down the road and he walks past the field and he notices something in the field is uncovered. And he, go looks, he goes and looks and he finds this great and vast treasure buried in this field. And immediately he covers the treasure back up. He sweeps it back over. He goes and sells everything he owns so that he can buy that field and get the treasure. He finds something worth more than what he has. And what Jesus teaches us is that what we have in the future, what we have when we spend eternity with God, is worth more than the temporary pleasures that we have now. And so we invest and we spend accordingly. The point of this is not that you need to do the right thing with money. The point of this is don't mess out on something better because you're being distracted by the present. So, so what does it look like to store up, in treasure, or to store up treasure in heaven? Practically, if I want to live my life not storing up treasure on earth, but storing up treasure in heaven, what does it look like day to day? What do I do day to day? That's your next take home truth, number six. We're going to go through some, some points here. Uh, storing up treasure in heaven looks like point A is motivation for God's pleasure. If you've still got your Bible open, read with me verses uh, one through four, still in chapter six. Jesus says this about giving money away. He says, take heed that you do not, do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, and they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees it in secret will himself reward you openly. Jesus here is talking about people giving, either giving to the temple or giving to the poor. And, and he solved this, this problem. He said, these rich people, they, they come and they give money and they blow trumpets and they say, look at what I'm doing. And they put pictures of it and put it on Facebook and say, I'm so blessed to be able to give this person money and to help them out. Jesus says, don't do that. 
because your motivation is to get attention from men. And so that's what you get, and that's all you get. He, he said, when you give, when you handle your finances, your motivation should be one thing and one thing only. What my God, my Father in heaven sees and what he cares about and what he knows. Past that, nobody else should know. Um, I've got a picture coming up here. Uh, many of you, if you're sports related at all, you will know Mr. Carson Wentz. In college, uh, Carson Wentz won two national championships as a quarterback. He was drafted um, number two overall by the equal by, by the equals by the Eagles, and uh, his contract for four years was twenty six million dollars. And I know what you're thinking. There's the poster child for spending too much time worried about earthly treasure, spending his time chasing fame and glory on the football field. But what we saw with Carson Wentz was different than most uh, professional athletes. Immediately upon receiving this large contract, he began using his means and his finances and his influence and his platform to spread the gospel around the world. He has a ministry that distributes food, and the statement or the uh, um, mission statement of that ministry is we want to give people a tangible experience of God's love by providing for them upscale food. He's got a ministry that's called the outdoor ministry. It takes people with life-threatening illnesses and takes them outdoors and uses that as an opportunity to disciple them in Christ. In Haiti, he built a sports complex where 15,000 children a year come through sports. They come receive clean water, a meal, and they are discipled in the gospel. All of these things he puts under the umbrella of one foundation name, one, one platform for life. You, you see up there on his shirt, it says AO1. That stands for audience of one. His, his, his goal in life is not to make the fans happy, is not to get rich, is not to be the best, is not to win the trophies. He says, everything I do, I do for the eyesight and the pleasure of one person. And if God gave me athletic ability, I'm going to use athletic ability to serve him. It's about our motivation, what we care about, and what we do. So to store up uh, treasure in heaven, we have to ask about our motivation. I'm taking that promotion. Is that promotion because I want to be in charge, because I'll make more money, because I finally have the power? Or is the promotion because I have new places to serve him? When I look at my paycheck, is my motivation that I want people to look up to me and think I'm cool because I have everything this world has to offer? Or is my motivation to serve God with my finances? Point B is storing up treasure in heaven looks like God-ordered priorities. This is Jesus, still chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says this. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That word mammon there is a word used for wealth. It's interesting the way that Jesus looks at finances and money. He says, this will be your master. You can serve money here or you can serve God, but you can not serve both. And this is why there is a danger in something called the prosperity gospel. Now, I want to share this with you in case you ever hear this when somebody talks about money. I want you to know that this is a danger and I want you to run very far away. Because you'll see sometimes on TV or maybe even in local churches, I don't know, you'll see somebody and they'll get all excited and they'll say, God's ultimate goal for you is for you to be rich. And all you have to do is give a little money to God so that he can bless you and make you rich. And I want you to know that is not a biblical concept. That is not from God. Because what that does is it reverses the priorities. What that does is it makes God serve you and God serve your money. 
And a biblical priority is that me and my money, we serve God, not the other way around. We serve him and so does everything we own. Uh, Point C of this, uh, storing treasure in heaven looks like, point C, living sacrificially. This is one of those series of things that point A will lead to point B, point B will lead to C. So if your motivation is correct, it will, it will um, lead to you ordering your priorities correctly, which will lead to sacrifice. In Luke 21, Jesus tells another story. I'm not Jesus tells a story. It tells a story about Jesus. And what Jesus does is he sees a woman, he's sitting at the temple and he's watching people drop money in the offering plate. At the temple, they had offering receptacles, much like we do here, and and you would go drop in it. He's watching all of these rich people who were tithing, so that means they're giving proportionally. If you're rich and you're giving 10% of what you have, you're giving a lot. And he watched them without comment. But he saw a woman, and all it says about this woman is that she was a poor widow. It goes on to tell us that, that, or I'm sorry, that tells us about her that she had nothing. And as being a widow in this society, it meant that she had nobody to care for her, nobody to love her. She had nobody to provide for her. As a matter of fact, widows usually fell into one of three categories. They lived in extreme poverty, they sold themselves to prostitution, or they had another family member to take care of them. That's the only three options. This lady lived in extreme poverty, and it says she walked up to the offering plate and dropped in two mites. A mite is just a copper coin, the equivalent of our penny, maybe even less. And Jesus stops his disciples. He said, did you see that? Did you see what just happened? They're like, what, what? They, they, They completely overlooked it. They were in awe of all the rich people. And Jesus said, that woman right there, she gave more than everybody else. That's some weird math. I don't argue with Jesus, but I'll point out some weird math. You got Josiah just walked in here and dropped a grand in the offering plate. You got Zebedee, he's walking in with a stack of Benjamins. And Jesus, you notice the lady who had two cents dropped in? And Jesus says this, it's more than everybody else because everybody else gave out of their abundance. They gave what they had left over. She gave out of her poorness. She gave everything she had. See, what Jesus is saying here is that this meant more because it was a sacrifice, because she gave what she had when she had nothing, because her heart was not in the treasure of this world, but her heart was in heaven. Um, Three years ago, my daughter had just been born. COVID was going strong, and and Jessica and I knew we needed a new home. And we went to these houses. I'm like, I'm not paying that much money for that kind of a house. I'm not doing it. And we prayed and we asked God, like, we need somewhere to live. If it's your will, we're in a little small apartment. Our family is growing. And we found this just gorgeous, brand new, remodeled blue house that I just fell in love with. And it was a little bit out of of our price range. And so when I sat down with the realtor, I said, "Uh, we want to put an offer in this house. She said, okay. And so uh, she said, how much do you want to put in? And I told her the number and her eye kind of went, really? That's what you're going to do. They're not going to take that. You're going to lose it. And I told her, I've got business sense, ma'am. I don't know if you know this. I said, I'm going to offer this much. They're going to come back with this much. I'm going to meet them at the middle, right where I want it to be on the price. She kind of rolled her eyes and said, okay. And sure enough, they came back at the exact price that I thought they would. And sure enough, I met them in the middle and I paid the exact price for the house that I wanted to. And I felt pretty good about myself. It's like, man, I need to be on fixer up or a house flip or something like that. And we went inside of the closing with this couple and I was feeling pretty good. Like I just got away with a steal for this house. And they were telling us that I want to tell you something. I said, uh, we let the house go for less than our bottom dollar. We Facebook stalked you. 
We saw that you're Christians. We saw that you're a pastor. We know it's close to your church. And so we gave you this house. And I felt really dumb. Because it wasn't about how smart I was. It was about people who lived their life sacrificially and generously, serving God even in something as small as a business transaction over a house. I'll tell you, we bought that house the day before it went on the market. I don't even know how that happens. They could have held out and got another 10, 12, 15%. But they provided somebody a place to live because they were willing to live sacrificially. And that's what, that's what God calls us to do, is to live that way, to pour our resources in the kingdom. And finally, if we're pouring our resources in the kingdom, if we're living for heavenly treasure, point D, we will be living by faith. Read with me one more passage of scripture. This is again in chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus speaking, he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is, it not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to, uh, be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, Jesus tells us here to trust him. And so if we want to live putting uh, treasure in the kingdom, we start with our motivation, living for God's pleasure. We get our priorities in line with what God has called us to. We live sacrificially. And you say, how do I live sacrificially? You live by faith. You live with a trust that God will equip you to do what he calls you to do with finances. I find it interesting that Jesus noticed that poor woman who sacrificed those two pennies. I don't think that went bad for her in the long run. Jesus took notice of what she had and what she didn't have and what she gave. And what the Bible promises is that one day there will be a reward. God will look past our present needs because he knows our long-term needs. Uh, when I was young, I have a, a cousin. His mom and dad just adored him. He was an only child. And so he, this, this, this boy hung the moon. I mean, ridiculous. Probably about the same way I act about my own daughter. And his dad had went on and bought two, like, really nice Polaris Sportsman four-wheelers. If you're an outdoors lover, you know what I'm talking about. If not, just stick with me. Those are really nice. Those are really expensive. So, so, what, so what he did is he bought these, and this was how he and the son, he and Jake had father-son time. They'd go riding around in what they called the bush. And one day while Jake was at school and his parents were at work, somebody pulled up with a trailer to their front door, and they stole both of those four-wheelers. The whole family, of course, was, was completely upset. Nonetheless, Jake, who was like 10 or 12 years old at this time, who had just lost his four-wheeler. And I heard that story, and I felt bad for him. And the next time I was over there, a few weeks later, he said, come let me show you something. And he pulled me around, and he showed me this four-wheeler. Now, if you know four-wheelers, let me tell you, this is a time when people drove 250 Honda Recons, little four-wheelers like that, two-wheel drive. He took me around back, and he showed me a Polaris Sportsman 500 with these big, huge, knobby tires, military edition. 
This thing literally had armor plating on it. This thing literally had helicopter hooks on it so you could hook it to a helicopter and get it in the middle of the desert. You know what I never heard him talk about again? I never heard him talk about what he lost because he had a good, good father who loved him and saw what he lost and replaced it with something better. I want you to know something. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be in this lifetime. If you're a follower of Christ, you've got a good, good father who sees what you miss. He'll see what you sacrifice. He'll see where you went without earthly treasure. And one day, one day he's going to replace it with something better. And you will never have regretted losing it. See, God loves you. Live if you want to start coming up here. God loves you with a passion. He loves you enough not to care about your individual needs in the present. God is looking forward to your needs in the future. My daughter is three years old. You know what she needs? A popsicle and a TV show. That's all she cares about. But she has parents who love her. And we know one day she's going to need to read. She's going to need to write. She's going to need to be able to talk. She's going to need to have good social skills. She's going to need to know the Bible. And so sometimes we don't just let her watch TV and eat a popsicle. Sometimes we pour into her the things for the future. And God loves you enough. He's looking for your future. The ultimate treasure in heaven is just simply that I get to be there. I get to be in heaven with Jesus Christ. I can sleep in a tent. I don't even have to have a tent. I can sleep on top of the stars, actually. I don't think you can sleep under the stars. It doesn't matter. And what God looks for us is he says, forget about this world because I've got something greater for you. Because Jesus Christ came here and he gave up his life so you and I could have communion with God, not just today, but forever and ever and ever. So our ultimate goal is to make that our treasure, to make our salvation and our love for him our treasure. This morning you may be sitting here and all this sounds really silly to you because you don't know what it is to have treasure in heaven. You don't know what it is to have Jesus Christ as your savior, which is your treasure. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come forward. I would love to share with you what it means to have faith in him. That's all he asks for is your faith, is you make a choice to follow him. And if you're like me and you've taken that step, Maybe this week, it's time to take a hard look at how we live. If we're stingy or if we're generous, if we spend more time in our life building treasure on this earth, or if we spend more time building treasure in heaven. Whatever you do, don't leave here the same way that you walked in. Let's stand and worship.